Welcome back to 1983. I'm your host, PH, and we are starting day one of the five days to fix the U.S. This is our new mini-series where we talk about, this is all personal opinion, but what we think is the best way to go about getting rid of the swamp that we have in Washington, D.C., and starting over again. So the only reference that we're using today is called, unfortunately, the title is 3A, The Founders and Federalism. Uh, it's ushistory.org. And I wanted to start with them because Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and George Washington were advocates of the federal system. And I can't say that I'm against federalism. But I have a problem with the way that we are doing federalism right now. It says, in their attempt to balance order with liberty, the founders identified several reasons for creating a federalist government. One was to avoid tyranny. Two was to allow more participation in politics. Three was to use the states as laboratories for new ideas and programs. So. The Constitution that we wrote gave three different types of power to the national government, the federal government. The first one was called delegated power, and sometimes it's called enumerated or expressed powers, but we're going to call it delegated for now. And in this article, it says delegated powers are specifically granted to the federal government in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. This includes the power to coin money, to regulate commerce, to declare war, to raise and maintain, arm and maintain armed forces, and to establish a post office. In all, the Constitution delegates 27 powers specifically to the federal government. The part where I kind of get into the weeds here is the next two powers. I understand the need for them, but I don't think that we're doing them correctly. Implied powers is the second one. They are not specifically stated in the Constitution, but may be inferred from the elastic or necessary and proper clause, which is Article 1, Section 8. This provision gives Congress the right to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the previous powers, and other powers vested in the government of the United States. Now, it, it kind of gives you an explanation here. Since these powers are not explicit, the courts are often left to decide what constitutes an implied power. The problem that we have there is the people that are voted in to be judges, I guess, for the... Uh, that branch of government, they're voted in or they're brought into um, a process where they're vetted by Congress. The problem is they're brought in by the President of the United States, who is a partisan power. And then they are voted on by Congress, who is also a group of partisan powers. If one party tends to stay in power because 
more people live in their states than in other, other places, then we have a problem. Only one side has a voice. The third group of powers, it says, are not specifically listed in the Constitution, but they grow out of the very existence of the national government. The example it gives is the United States has the power to acquire territory by exploration and or occupancy, primarily because most governments in general claim that right. Now, we've kind of given that right up. There's not any more area to explore, really, except for space. We may, you know, one day Elon Musk might make that possible for us. But it, this is something that was necessary in the past. You know, we, we explored further west, and then we also took over certain areas for the greater good, I guess is what they would call it. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think if you're going to be an imperialistic state, you should look to expand the empire at any cost. But we kind of do a half-assed version of it. So what what problems do I have with these? The first one is the delegated powers. You know, they, they specifically grant powers to the U.S. government. I agree. They should be the ones to print a universal money between the states. That way you don't have California setting their own money, Idaho setting their own money, Utah, New York, Cal or, uh, Florida. Everyone has the same money and everyone can agree that it's worth the same thing. The, the power to regulate commerce, I disagree with fundamentally. I think that if states can't get along, they shouldn't have to do commerce between each other, especially when some states are more radicalized than others. And the, uh, oh, what did they call it in here? <laughs> the... experiment, I guess is what they called it, of what the states are, should be allowed to, to not be hampered by a federal government. You, you should be able to fail. You know, California claimed bankruptcy, what, two or three years ago? It, when that happens, you should just be absorbed by the other states. The surrounding states should be able to take a chunk of you and, and bring those people into their states. And yes, we would fluctuate in the number of states, but that would keep people from enacting stupid policies. As far as the rest of the powers that I agree with, the ability to declare war. I do think we need a federal government for that because there has to be someone that goes out and represents us on a world stage. I don't necessarily think that they should be able to force every state to send their people like in a draft, but I do think that they should be able to raise a federal or a federal armed forces and each state should have to give some sort of fiscal amount 
probably of their GDP gross domestic product um, to be able to support and maintain that. And then the post office, I think the post office is shit. I think if the federal government wasn't running it, we'd have private companies doing a way better job. But here's the thing. I think it does have to be a, f- a federal level department, I guess, because some states in order to screw the other states over will lose mail or they won't allow mail to cross their borders from certain states. You know, there's stuff like that going on that you wouldn't want that to happen. So even though I disagree in the post office as it stands now, I think that having a post office or some something to pass information back and forth between the states is a good thing. So day one, we've kind of gone into what we think the federal government should be. Days two through five are how we would implement going back to what the small federal government was meant to be and what the states need to do in order to take over the leftover duties. Each state makes enough money to be able to grow commerce, um, uphold infrastructure, apply social benefits as needed. So the moral of the story that we're getting to now is the federal government should be as small as possible because it is extremely inefficient for a federal government to run policies in every state. The The honest truth is we probably actually use 20 cents out of every dollar that is taxed for things that the federal government should be doing. Maybe even less than that. And I don't think that each individual person should be paying federal taxes to a federal government. I think that the state that they live in should be taking donations or taxes. I don't, I think taxing is um, the wrong way to go about things. I think if you believe in your state and you believe that the United States of America should function as it should, um, donations are probably something that we need to go back to. We, we tax every dollar like 15 times before it actually gets back to the people. So getting rid of that, I think, is, is one of the big things. But I'm going to wrap this up. In this episode, we went over the federal government and the powers that, that they should have. I do agree that we should have three different branches still, and that we should have representatives from each state go and represent their state on the federal level and then also the world level. But... I don't think that they should have as much power as they do because the reality of it is back, you know, the the reason that they put the federal government in the first place was to prevent one state from becoming too powerful or one person in one state from becoming too powerful and becoming King George again. We don't have that problem now. We have the internet. We have media sources that are able to reach out across state lines and notify people of what's going on. Obviously, if you're in a state where 
you're paying 90% of your taxes or 90% of your income into taxes, that's not fair. And the reality is you'd probably rather move to another state or you'll overthrow the person that's in charge. So I think we should move back to a small federal government. And I can't wait to tell you the rest of our plan in the next few episodes. Thank you for listening. God bless. And I will catch you next time.